grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from Luke chapter 19, Jesus' parable of the, of the minas. He says, Everyone who has, more will be given, but for the one who has nothing, even that will be taken away from him. Dear friends of Christ, you know, we have another parable. And in the parables, Jesus is always making a point. And uh, the point is clear that we are to be investing in his kingdom. Uh, he wants his kingdom to come. And we are the ones in that kingdom. But I want you to understand the kingdom of God as we get into this language, uh, the kingdom of God. The world has always wanted a kingdom on earth. They've wanted a utopia on earth, um, a place where the brotherhood of man reigns and there's peace and there's love and everybody gets along. And you remember the 60s? It was all about that in the 1960s. Everybody would get together and sing about how there's no wars and, and everything's at peace. Fifth Dimension, remember that song uh, in, back in the 60s where they, where they sing about the coming of the dawn of Aquarius? And apparently back in 1960s, the stars are all aligned and, uh, and, and uh, of course, the, the astrologists say that we are in the age of Aquarius. Now, the astrologists, astronomers are good. They're the ones who, who study the stars. But astrologists, they're the ones who think that we can see signs in the stars. Well, that's sinful and that's wicked. And those people who look at the stars that way see that we're in this age. And they believe, uh, do those astrologists, they believe that we're in a time where mankind is going to be at peace with each other. Well, it was supposed to start back in the 60s, we're supposed to be well into that by now, uh, where we're all holding hands, we're saying kumbaya, and uh, there's no world hunger, and there's just world peace, and everything is going really well, and there's a utopia on earth, a brotherhood of man. Well, that's what, the, that's what the Jewish people were looking forward to. They, they too thought that when Christ came, the Messiah came, there would be a utopia, a perfection on earth, the kingdom of God on earth. Uh, they believed it would be ushered in at the coming of the Messiah. And uh, matter of fact, one of the ancient writers, um, we call him a Christian or a believer anyway, a rabbi, wrote in the apocryphal book, that's that intertestamental books, in the book of Second Bar, uh, Baruch, he wrote about the coming Messiah. When the Messiah comes, the earth will yield its fruit 10,000-fold. On each vine, there will be a thousand branches, and each branch will produce a thousand clusters, and each cluster will produce a thousand grapes, and each grapes, each grape will produce a hundred gallons of wine. Well, that's quite a miracle. And then he says, And those who have hungered will rejoice, moreover, also they will see marvels every day. So here you see this, this messianic expectation. They were expecting the Messiah to come, and that there was going to be peace on earth, and there was going to be prosperity, and good things were going to happen. World prosperity, a brotherhood of man. Utopia. However, Jesus knew differently. I mean, he knew differently because he was the king of the kingdom. So the, the king knows what his kingdom's going to be like. And so Jesus starts to teach the people because the people uh, uh, thought that it'd be here on earth. And he said, ultimately, it's not going to be. My kingdom is not on earth. 
And of course, you know, Jesus says his coming kingdom is going to happen when he comes again in great the power of in his in, in his second coming. He's going to appear, the trumpet's going to sound, we're going to see Jesus, every eye shall see him. And we all those of us who believe in him, our bodies will rise from the grave. That's going to be the resurrection of the flesh. We get our bodies back, we meet the Lord in the air, and he's going to destroy the universe, all melt all the elements and remake his new kingdom. No sin in the universe no sin in us. Those who have sin in them, cast out. Their work is no good. They haven't been cleansed. They haven't been purged from their sin, and they're not welcome into the kingdom. Only those saved by the blood of Christ will be in the kingdom of God. So contrary to the wishes of humanity that there will be somehow a time here on earth where there's going to be a utopia a brotherhood, a, a time of peace is not going to happen. In fact, Jesus says just the opposite is going to happen. The nearer we get to the end of times, the more we're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. There is going, people are going to grow more and more wicked. It seems to me that we are in that age. We're living in a time where if you tell people as a Christian what you believe, you can expect persecution. You can expect people to mock you, to laugh at you. And there are parts of the world where they'll kill you. And that's what God said would happen, that there's going to be economic problems. Countries are going to have difficult times paying their bills. People are going to go hungry. There's going to be droughts. There's going to be floods. The weather conditions are going to be worse and worse. There's going to be war and poverty and bloodshed. And in the midst of all of these events, what does God say we're supposed to be doing? He calls us to take up our cross and follow Him, to invest in the kingdom of God. And so let's consider our theme, investments that endure. You know, what do you do, what do you do with all of this time God's given you here on earth? What, how are you investing in His kingdom? You know, I think oftentimes we wake up in the morning, we go throughout our day, and we live our life, and, and it's not that living as a mom, living as a dad, doing the things that we're doing every day aren't God-pleasing. They are, but sometimes we even forget about God throughout that whole process. How am I supposed to be a dad, a godly dad, a mom, a godly mom, an employee, a godly employee? You see, in the midst of all of those tasks, that's what God is calling us to do. And here you've got in this parable... Uh, a, a person who is uh, teaching us how to invest our time wisely in the Lord. And so Jesus gives this parable uh, is about his kingdom. Uh, do you bury your investment? Because one of the guys in our parable buried his investment. Do you just say, I don't have to do anything? All God is doing is asking me to serve the church. All God is asking me to do is more and more and more. Do you bury your kind of ignore it all, I really don't want to be too busy, just don't want to invest in anything. Well, a man in our parable left home. He left to be king of another land. Now, that doesn't happen very often where you're a foreigner and you go to a foreign country and you get to that foreign country and they make you a king. That's odd. So it's a whole, the whole thing is an odd scenario. And, uh, but that's the case in our parable, and the parallel is obvious. Jesus came to earth, and, and while he was on earth, the people here said, we don't want him to be king. Let's kill him. 
We don't want this king. And so he goes to a foreign land. He, he ascends into heaven and he gets into heaven and he's king of kings and he's lord of lords. And he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, there's going to be people who say, I don't want you to be king. I don't, don't like your kingdom. And you remember what Jesus said when he was confronted with Pilate about his kingdom here on earth. He said, Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. You'll never find my kingdom in this world. My kingdom is not here. It's from another place. You know, most kingdoms are built on power. Jesus built his kingdom on, on, his, on his death. He built his kingdom on his resurrection. And so on death and resurrection is the power that comes to rescue us from this kingdom of darkness, from this kingdom of sin, into the kingdom of God and his light and his forgiveness. So now we live in the kingdom of, of God. Our greatest need in this kingdom where God rules in our hearts through forgiveness is to know that our God loves us. Your greatest need is to know that no matter how you're suffering, no matter what you're going through in this life, no matter how difficult it is, that God genuinely loves you. That you really are precious in His sight. It's hard for some of us to understand that. Uh, that, that this God who created us, because in, in light of God's law, in light of all of God's rules that He sets, I, I listen to that law and I think, I can't, I'm not good, I don't deserve to be loved by God. I deserve his punishment. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. The Apostle Paul said, I know that nothing good dwells in me, nothing good in my flesh. But Jesus came. And Martin Luther talks about that in his small catechism. He came that I might be his own and live in his kingdom and serve him. He came that I might be loved. He came that I might be loved personally, intimately, 24-7. So Jesus tells a story about a king. You know, to get back to our parable, unfortunately the people, well, they didn't like the king. And our text says the subjects hated him. And of course when Pontius Pilate stood before the king, when he stood before Pontius Pilate, um, he told, Pilate told the Jewish leaders, here's your king. And you remember what the people said? We don't have a king. We only have Caesar. <laughs> well, that's part of our sinful nature too, you see. We don't want a king either. Because if you have a king over you, there's a kingdom, and there's service to the king in the kingdom. We don't want to be called into service. We don't want a king. We don't want a king making the rules, setting the standards, setting the rules. We want to be king. We want to set the rules. We want to set the standards. We want to do our own thing. We don't want to be burdened by a king. But Jesus is king. This is his kingdom. He rules, he judges. The kingdom belongs to him, not to us. And it's not our job to claim. It's not up for, we cannot be king, no matter how much we might want to. I want you to think about 
God's kingdom this way. Think of it in three stages. There's the first phase, or the first stage, in which Adam and Eve fell into sin in the Garden of Eden. Remember that? They fell away from God. God came and he says, I promise I'm going to send you a king. My kingdom's been lost in this world. Now you've fallen into sin. There's going to be death. There's going to be destruction. There's going to be sadness. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. There's going to be death. Bad things are going to happen to you now. I told you, eat of the fruit, bad things. But in the midst of all of it, the seed of the woman, the seed of the woman will come and he will reign. The coming king will destroy sin forever. The coming king's going to fix the problem. He's going to bring a new kingdom. He's going to usher in a new kingdom. So you have the promise, the first stage, the promise. The second stage, he comes. God the Father sends the king. God the Father sends the deliverer. Then the third stage. We live in the kingdom of God here on earth. Now this isn't the kingdom, but the kingdom of God lives where? Where does Martin Luther say the kingdom of God lives? In your hearts. So the kingdom lives in your hearts. Christ lives in your hearts. And your sins are forgiven, and now you belong to God because He made a sacrifice for you. And now He calls you into service. That's the third phase. What, are you, what on earth are you doing for Christ? And of course, then that whole process of us thinking about that, you know, how are we using our talents? What are we, what are we doing? And we've got a, pair, we've got a, a thing here that you're going to be filling out uh, because what are you doing for Christ to serve his kingdom? And as you go through this, you're going to look and you're going to think, this is too much. Well, it certainly is too much for a few people to do. To have God's kingdom on earth work, the king puts us in into fellowship we belong to him and you're going to look at this uh, there's things that people can volunteer for worship there's there's ways you can volunteer for music uh, for um, bible study education vacation bible school our midweek school the christmas program youth groups parish ministry helping in the office um, again camp okaboji helping with the the church and the, and, the, and the maintenance of the facilities the Board of Christian Education and Outreach, the Board of Elders, uh, the LWML, serving with mighty hands, helping with funerals and, and things like that, uh, helping with the Iowa Great Lakes Lutheran School, um, faith ministry, sharing groups, outreach groups. Do you understand what it takes to make First English work? And sometimes we say, I, I, we, we kind of wonder, do you know that we have leadership here that are incredibly burnt out. Burnt out because they can't bear the load alone. And we have, a, we have a big ministry, but if we all did our job, how much easier would that be? What gifts has God given you to invest in His kingdom? Well, that's the third phase, is that whole part of us investing back in God's kingdom, because we know that kingdom's precious. And so we get back to our parable uh, about investing our lives for Christ. Before the man left the country to become a king of another, he called his ten servants together, ten of his servants, and he gave them each a mina, which is $15,000. That's, that's a lot to invest. He gave each one $15,000 to invest any way that they saw fit 
to grow his money. And he said, when I come back, then I'll, I'll call you together. And he, so he comes back, and he calls them together to give an account what they'd done with it. And of course, um, the first one came and said, sir, your one mina has, has ten, 10 more. Wow, that's a good investment, right? $15,000 and then 10 times 50, $150,000 more? Well, well, well done. Well done, good servant. I don't know how you invest. That was incredible. You really worked hard while you were down there. I'm going to bless you. The kingdom, however, if you notice, the servants in Jesus' kingdom never boast about their own accomplishments. They didn't say, look what I did with my money. No, it was God's money. It was the king's money. said, so look how I invested in your kingdom. And now your kingdom is larger. Your kingdom is more valuable because I invested in it. King, I made you. I made your kingdom better. But the kingdom belongs to you. And I, don't, I can't take it, it, it. It's not mine, right? The money that I started with wasn't mine. Uh, the investment that I made wasn't mine. I just realized the importance of it. And I invested wisely. You see, the success of God's kingdom doesn't depend whether you invest wisely or not. The success of God's kingdom doesn't matter whether you invest or bury your mina or use your mina. Use your talents to serve the church or not. It doesn't matter. God's kingdom is successful because Jesus is king. He doesn't need you. Oh, but there will be an accounting. There will be an accounting. Because Jesus is the one who came, and he's the one who paid the price. He's the one who invested in sinners that we might be saved. He invested in us that we might be equipped to be able to serve in his kingdom. That we might be his, as Martin Luther says, and live, in, live under his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness and innocence and blessedness and serve in his kingdom. When we invest, we invest in God's kingdom when we admit uh, as Paul did, by, God's, by the grace of God go I. So I want you to consider what the Lord has done with your mina. He's given us all a mina. How have you invested it? Um, look at your life. Can you see what God has done with what God has given you? Can you see how God's blessed you? Can you understand that? The gifts God has given you personally, not just financially, but how you function, how you go about your life. Can you see His grace? And, and what a joy it will be when a moment in your life, Christ has returned and you're standing before the throne of God and you're in His kingdom, you're in your resurrected body, and you're standing before the throne and He tells you, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Listen, this is a scriptural truth. When you are faithful, managing what the Lord has given you, putting it to use, and you invest back into the kingdom of God, then the Lord's going to bless you. If not here in eternity, He's going to bless you. You cannot outgive God. If you faithful handle his blessings, scriptural truth, he will give you more.
If you are faithful, the Lord will give you more work to do. If you are faithful, He'll give you more responsibilities. And you say, well, I don't want to be faithful. (laughs) That does it right there. I don't want more responsibilities. I don't want more work to do. That does it. End of sermon. Amen. Right? We're ready to get to the next sermon and talk about something else. Let me give you a practical example of how this looks in your life as, you, as you, God invests in you and He gives you a mina. He puts God's Word in your hand. You're baptized. And then your, your parents give you your first Bible. And you have your Bible and you start to read it and you start to study it. And then with that Bible, you start to go to Bible studies. And you go to confirmation and you grow. You start to understand that Bible. And you have daily devotions and you grow in His kingdom. And you grow in understanding. And you start to pray. And you have a prayer life. And then you grow. And then you start going to Bible studies and, and you start leading Bible studies. And you start doing this kingdom work and you start talking about your faith in the community. And then people start to see how that is worked out in, in, in your life and how, how you're a godly mom or a godly father or a godly employee and how you're different. And, and he put that word of God in your hands and now you share your faith in the home and you share your faith in the community. And you're helping, you're reaching out to those around you. You're helping people in need. And you're, you're sharing your money. Your money becomes a blessing to others. Why are you doing these things? Because God planted, He gave you a mina. He planted into your hands His Word. And you invested in that Word. And you grew. And what did God do as you grew? He gave you more. More responsibility. More things to do. And one day you'll stand before His kingdom, before His throne, and you'll hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you to work over much enter into the kingdom of your master. In our parable, we think about when uh, the servant who was given ten cities because he had been so, so faithful with the, the, the one mina, earned ten more. Uh, he says, I'll give you ten cities. And of course, to the other servant who was faithful, he gave him five cities. And that, that puts us back to God's kingdom. We're talking about heaven. We're talking about the new earth. And God is saying, in, in my new kingdom, I'm going to bless you. You, are, you worked hard here. I'm going to give you more in the coming kingdom. You're going to be great there. And it's not that we're seeking to be great in the coming kingdom, but the whole image is the kingdom is beyond this life. Our service, our works here go beyond this life. Our, our service, our work here follow us into the common kingdom. Paul talked about, or John talked about that in his book of Revelation, how our works follow us into heaven. Where we're going to live with Christ. The angels are going to envy us. They're going to, they're going to watch us in the new kingdom and they're going to say, how? They get to have all the good stuff. Because they endured the great persecution on earth. However, it's not going to be for all of of God's servants that way. No, in the parable, the last servant did nothing with his mina. He buried it. 
Didn't want anything to do with it. Because the king is, sets all the rules. The king owns everything. King's angry. He's going to come back and judge people. Well, if he's going to judge people, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to bury it. And do you understand that he didn't bury it in a cloth to keep it safe? He buried it in a cloth because he hated the king. He just didn't want to serve in the kingdom because he despised the king. And what did the king do? Well, those who don't understand the value of his kingdom, those who don't understand the value of their salvation, those who don't understand the value of the coming king and his coming kingdom, they won't be part of it. These type of people cannot understand why a Christian would devote time to church, why a Christian would come and worship God on a Sunday. These type of people can't understand why when the offering plate is passed, we put our gifts in the offering plate to support the mission of God's church. They don't understand that. Why would you waste your money? They don't know the love of Jesus. They don't understand the value of his kingdom. Why would you devote your time? Why would you do all that hard work? It's just more difficulty in your life. Do what you want to do. When the, when the King Jesus comes with all the angels in glory and he returns, he will destroy forever those who despise him, those who hate him, those who refuse to invest. The king told those standing by, take his mina away from him, give it to those who have ten minas. He's not part of the kingdom, kick him out. My friends, we have time here on earth. Our time here on earth is precious. It's a time of grace. We live by grace as the people of God. It's time to invest. Invest in his kingdom. Invest in the church. It's time to serve him in his kingdom. And there's only one chance. It's, this is his kingdom that lives in our hearts. There are no second chances. And so, as you take time to go through your talent worksheet think about how you can serve his kingdom you know when we have a funeral those same funeral ladies just go crazy because they feel like they're they're burdened is there anything in here that you can help us out with and people say well you know i'm too old i've retired i've retired from god's kingdom i've retired from his church now there are some of you obviously who physically can't do anything anymore and well that's understandable. But those of you who can, there's work to be done. Consider that for us, would you? As you take time at the end of the service, we'll ask you to fill this out. I know it's tedious. I know it takes time. But we need to, we need to put people to work so that our congregation can function in a good way. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.